Welcome back, everybody, to a new Plundergrounds. I'm your host, Ray Otis, and today we are going to talk about a plethora of things. That's what happens when you spend a couple weeks off the mic. You build up a lot to talk about. But there is an overriding theme, and that is managing creativity. So here we go. Plundergrounds. Plundergrounds, welcome back to a brand new show. Ray's gonna take you where you didn't know you wanted to go. Fantasy and dungeon delve, science fiction, watch yourselves. Before we get truly stuck in on today's topic, I have a number of things I want to highlight. The first is probably the Shadow Dark Kickstarter by Kelsey Dion. Kelsey seems like a really cool person. Um, Saw her at Gary Con and then talked to her online a little bit after that. Uh, And that was where I picked up her Shadow Dark zines. I've mentioned them before. She's now launched those into an extremely successful Kickstarter. Um, It's, I don't know how many thousand percent funded within the first day. Um, I think it's up to about 700,000 right now. Uh, it's a, it's for my money, it's a bit pricey. Like it's, it's a, um, the dollar value, the dollar request for items is maybe a little on the high side, but you're going to get a quality product and both, uh, in terms of production values and in terms of content, it looks like a really good rule set. Um, if it's anything like, well, it is, it's, I know it's quite a bit like the zines that I got, not much has changed in the last year or so. She's mostly been play testing and kind of developing, but, uh, it's a really solid system. Now it's yet another basic rule set that emulates D and D, uh, this time it's really coming from, uh, mostly from a 5e perspective, uh, but as if 5e were a simple old school set of rules. And at first, when I picked up those zines, I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, I, I don't did I really need another, you know, rules light, uh, maybe rules light. It's not the best way to put it. Another streamlined version of D&D. And as I was reading through it, I just kept nodding my head and I was like, yep, that's a good choice. Yep. That's the way I would have done it. Yep very smart. Um, and so it's, a it's just a very well done one of those, if that makes sense. You, you probably don't need another one, but if you do need another one, or if you can't stop yourself from buying another one, I do suggest this one. It seems really cool. The only controversial rule I think is one that, um, would be very easy to just ignore and it has to do with using real time instead of, uh, like fictional time for things like spell durations, uh, and, uh, burning torches. So after, a, after an hour of playing in a room with your friends, um, you in fiction switch out your torch, right? <laughs> That's an example. Or after 10 minutes, your sleep spell ends. And so if you don't uh, get going with your, the mechanics of your uh, game, you know, moving your characters and all that kind of stuff, taking your turns, then your spell has less effect than it would otherwise. And I don't know, in some ways that's a good impetus. It's a good driving force. And, um, you know, I think I'm going to try it. I'm a little skeptical, but you know, sounds cool. All right. So that's shadow dark, um, going to Gary Con in two weeks. She'll be there. Uh, Kelsey will be there running shadow dark. I think in the hallway is kind of a drop-in game. Totally going to take advantage of that. If I can, I'm feeling there'll be lines for that. Who knows? Um, I could have done it last year when it would have been very easy to walk up and I think, and, uh, yeah, but missed my chance. I didn't really know what I was looking at until I had read the zines mostly on the way home. Uh, 
since Gary Khan in two weeks, I'm prepping for. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, Thaddeus, I want to say thanks to Thaddeus who Thaddeus Moore who sent me some OSR stickers. They're super cool. Put those on various things of mine. I used to be a little more afraid of the OS, OSR label than I am today. Uh, I think the point has been made that not every single person in the OSR represents the entirety of the OSR, just like um, no single gay person represents all gay people and no single woman represents all women and no single uh, Republican is an exemplar of all Republicans. Uh, But so you can look at individuals and you can judge them rightly or wrongly uh, for their actions and their ugliness and whatever. Um, But that doesn't mean you have to judge a whole set of people right and the osr did a lot of good in gaming it brought a lot of people back to the table uh it has been a driving force behind a lot of cool products and i think it's not a you know if you ever think of it as a coherent community you're wrong it's just like any group of uh, a large group of people that identify with some kind of label it doesn't really in the end mean all that much uh but it's kind of a cool calling card to connect with other people on. Um, just like wearing a band's pin on your lapel or something like that, right? Like, <laughs> oh, you like the, you know, you like the feelies too, right? So um, it's just a way of connecting with people, I think. Right. Um, what do not want to get into a what is the OSR conversation. So sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> there's too, too many of those already. So appreciate those stickers that he sent. Um, I've discovered index card holders. Like I didn't, I don't know why I didn't think of this before. Uh, I was developing some cheap little cheat cards for myself for running the scenario at GaryCon, uh, because for whatever reason, when I do something, I always feel like I have to reinvent the wheel, like, like an idiot. I guess I like to try different things, but I could have just prepped the old way that I do, you know, grab, grab my journal and just, um, fill a few pages with the adventure, but no, I had to decide to do it on cards and I was going to build little, um, type out little cards in magic card size, like playing tra- uh, trading card game sized cards and then use trading card game sleeves because they are easily available and come in lots of colors, but they're a little small, a little small. And then I realized that there are sleeves that you can buy for index cards, both soft ones and hard ones. Uh, so either soft clear vinyl or hard plastic uh, that you can insert these down into. And uh, so you can write things on index cards. You can um, type up things in the size of index cards and cut them out and put them in there. And I really been enjoying those as I got a little, you know, GM tool. So something to think about. I'll try to find a couple on this in the, um, I'll put a couple links in the show notes to, so you can go order some if you want. I've, I've had a little trouble with the soft ones. I'll say that the first set of soft ones I ordered actually weren't big enough for, uh, they say they were made for index cards and they're almost big enough, but they're not quite, you have to kind of curl the card to get them in and they stay curled. Like it, it's, it's too small. So I'm hoping this next set that I've got coming in, I think today, uh, will be the trick on those, but I certainly found some good hard ones that I, that I can put links to in the show notes. Uh, one to shout out to listener, Dennis Gaines. Um, he and I had a quick conversation on, uh, itch.io regarding the monster tokens that I released a month or so ago for blood bowl. And, uh, the idea of using these little plastic coin holders, they're like quarter sized or one inch coin holders. And they're like, um, you know, those little pill, 
pill things that you, little travel caddies for pills, not the ones that say Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, the, the sorters, just a little, like if you wanted a, if, if you wanted someone to put in your bag that had a couple aspirin or whatever. And I remember my grandma used to carry saccharin in it, um, like artificial sweetener in hers, but it's, it's like that. It's like a little round plastic thing that pulls apart, except it's, it's pretty flat, like, um, a couple millimeters thick, right? And you just kind of get a fingernail. There's a little divot in one side. You get a fingernail in there and pop the cover off. And then you can stick anything that's one inch around, you know, piece of paper in there. Um, I've been using uh, two pieces of cardstock back to back, right? And so I'd use a circle punch to punch them out and then stick them in there and fills it out nicely. Um, but it, it's a great way to make little counters like um, tokens, right, uh, for gameplay. And so got into, got kind of obsessed with those for a while. Another uh, GM tool for you. And I'll put a link to those in the show notes as well. If you've got a, a reason for using, for needing like one inch tokens, it'd be great. And like uh, a lightweight or minimalistic go-to bag for GMs, which brings me full circle. And that the, one of the first times I ran into Kelsey uh, online was a YouTube video where she was talking about her minimalistic dungeon masters kit. And I'm, I'm all, I, I really like this idea of minimalism in, um, gaming, like keeping it down to a manageable amount of materials that you can carry with you to play the game and not, uh, getting into the materialistic concepts of, which I'd certainly do, but you know, sometimes I want to stray away, stay away from it or stray away from the materialistic side of the game where you think that the next, miniature or game mat or uh, initiative tracker or whatever thing you buy is the thing that's going to make your game come to life, right? That's not the stuff that makes your game come to life. Yeah, sometimes it adds color and interest and tactile elements and things like that. But um, some of the best games I've ever been in had like nothing but erasers and and um, gumdrops and things like that for miniatures, right? <laughs> or no miniatures at all, completely theater of the mind. Um, one of the best games I was ever in was, was through an IRC chat. Um, and so there was all in our head, right? It was just shared imaginative space. And so, uh, minimalistic kits is something that I like to see. I like to see other people's minimalistic GM kits, what goes in their dice bag, what goes in their con bag, you know, that's the stuff I want to see. Cause I think it's cool. All right, did I get through everything? Um, paperbacks, uh, I've been buying more paperbacks on whatnot um, and off of eBay and stuff. I kind of, it, it's as a consumer habit, it's not the worst because paperbacks are generally pretty cheap and the whole thing is the hunt, right? Um, so I try to get them either on whatnot auctions or going to bookstores, but sometimes you just, there's certain ones you're trying to track down that you're having trouble finding it and uh, eBay is the place. But it's really cool to discover new authors and to try to find the covers that you want for a specific paperback. Uh, and I'm trying to build a little library of paperback books that is kind of my, you know, like my all-time favorites uh, and have paperback copies of those that are maybe not so precious, right? Ones that I can actually um, carry around in my bag and not feel guilty about. Uh, I'm getting away from that a little bit, so I have to be careful. Um, yesterday, I got uh, what I'd call a forever copy of the Three Hearts and Three Lions. Three Lions, meaning the paperback is so clean that I can't imagine trading up for a better-looking paperback. So that, but now that means 
I feel a little self-conscious about um, carrying that paperback around because it's so nice that I kind of want to put it in a bag and stick it on my shelf, which is not why I started this whole thing. I started this whole thing to make a, a reader's library, you know, that I that I wouldn't worry about, that I could hand to people or just grab and go. Um, you know, I've got my six Elrics. I've got uh, uh, all the Quorum stuff. I've got uh, some John Wyndham it was kind of hard to track down a cheap copy of Day of the Triffids, but I managed to do it. Uh, I've got my Tolkien's, except I need a good copy of The Hobbit. I need a good paperback copy of The Hobbit. There's a million of them out there, but there's so many of them with bad covers that, uh, or just cheap paper or whatever. I kind of want the one I had when I was a kid too, which is the uh, cover that's, uh, it's got a lot of white on it, if I remember right. And I think it has, it's a Tolkien drawing on the cover. They used to come in a box set. Uh, it, was the, it was the age when Tolkien came in a box set that was gold that had the Cimmeril drawings on the side. Um, and the Lord of the Rings came that way. And I think the Hobbit came separate, but they had a Hobbit trade dress paper, mass market paperback that matched the others. And mass market paperbacks is what I'm buying. Not, not, I don't like the giant ones that are hardback sized because that's what's the point. Let's buy hardback at that point. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been doing that. So that's kind of fun. Oh, and then finally, I've been uh, painting and printing miniatures. Um, I got my fourth Blood Bowl team painted since I started this whole obsession with Blood Bowl. Um, that was my old Chaos Dwarves. Actually, this was an interesting thing. I pulled them off the shelf. I found them while I was looking for some other stuff, and they were half painted. Uh, so some of the models were painted all the way. Like It wasn't like they were all uh, painted halfway. That would have been easier, but, uh, well, maybe easier but I had about half of them painted all the way to finish. And so then I was trying to paint the rest, but I had, you know, new paints and stuff. So I'm trying to match the colors and that, that was kind of cool. I don't think you can tell though. Honestly, when I put up some pictures, I don't think you can tell I'll, I'll stick those up as well. I don't think you'd be able to tell the difference between my old and my new paint jobs. Uh, but that's the, that's the, you know, that's the pile of things that I wanted to talk about. Um, next, let's talk about creativity for a few minutes. Boop. Hey, just adding a couple quick things I forgot. Uh, number one, I wanted to send a thank you out to Daniel Norgren, who gifted me something through DriveThruRPG. That was really awesome. Thank you, Daniel. Um, uh, I believe you brought me the uh, Crypts of the Blood Moss. Yeah, Ominous Crypt of the Blood Moss. And I'm really excited to dig into that. So that was awesome. Um, really nice surprise. And uh, I also wanted to thank Dennis Gaines for offering to send me a zine. I, I never send my address. <laughs> I think I just, I don't know why I feel embarrassed about stuff like that. Um, but uh, it was really cool of you to offer Dennis. And uh, somebody, who, oh man, I always forget people's names and I'm so sorry, but um, somebody else, instead of sending me something back, actually sent a gift on, sent a gift forward, like paid it forward. Um, I'll find that email and mention it next time. But uh, what a cool community. I, everybody's so awesome and it's uh, really affirming to, um, you know, interact with people that are, um, are so generous. So uh, you're all cool. And uh, now we'll get back to the topic. Boop. Creativity is tough. Uh, I was driving home the other day and I honestly thought to myself, would I be happier if I stopped making things or you know, would I be more unhappy if I stopped making things or more unhappy if I kept making things, right? Um, because <laughs> it can be, um, it can drive you into, I'm a, you know, I'm a creative personality and creative personalities often experience a lot of depression. Uh, it's, it's a byproduct probably of pouring yourself into something and putting yourself out there in front of other people. 
that you worry about what they think of your stuff and that makes you worry about uh, your own, like makes you worry about yourself, like be your own critic, right? Which is a good thing to an extent. You don't just want to put out crap. Um, and, and so you want, you know, you want something that will capture other people's imagination and excitement. Uh, and to do that, it first has to pass your own test. It has to capture your imagination and excitement, um, or has to capture maybe a better way of saying it has to capture the imagination and excitement that you felt when you came up with the idea for whatever creative project you're on. Well, uh, consistency is another issue, right? There's all kinds of things that uh, revolve around creativity, um, imposter syndrome, um, being, staying the course, getting to the finish of a project, uh, managing, you know, not, uh, if you have multiple ideas, managing them in rotation or staying focused on one until you're done with it. I've had that problem, uh, because I've got a deadline coming up. It's two weeks, as I mentioned, until I leave for, for Gary Con. Uh, I started thinking about my scenarios months and months and months ago, but just didn't get anything down in, in, um, you know, final form until more recently. So I've been, uh, it's funny because I, I'm, I know the general gist of my scenarios and I've been working on them now finally, but, um, I had kind of a, like I wanted to work on them, but I wasn't ready to work on them. So I did everything but the scenarios. I made uh, reference cards for myself. I made little dice holders, like dice little pop, uh, loaner dice, with, uh, not loaner dice, giveaway dice, little dice poppers. You know, the um, I've talked about these before for the Oracle, but the like the little plastic acorns you get out of vending machines with little toys in them, uh, those with dice inside of them, I've got those to give away at Gary Con to all my players. Uh, because it's a D6 based system. So you can put a few tiny D6s in there and it's all ready to go. And they're cool because you can shake them and get the answer, get, you know, a good shake on the dice um, and they settle in well, but they don't roll all over the table, right? Uh, it's a nice little fingertip like version of dice. And uh, I was doing that. I was uh, making some changes to ca my castle game skull, my, my Greyhawk castle uh, playset that I converted into a GM screen slash carrying case. So I've, I've been adding shells and doing little, you know, tweaks to that, put a new light system in. Um, I made initiative to tokens for Troika, took some wooden discs and painted them different colors and clear coated them. And um, I mean, I've just been doing like everything but working on the scenarios. I, I printed off a bunch of miniatures that are going to be my PCs. I wanted to stick exclusively with toys, but I found that finding a lot of one kind of toy that you like is not too hard. Like maybe a lot of, um, I don't know, I got some little plastic moth-like figures, for instance, that it was easy to get a, a cloud of those, but to get a handful of different um, adventurer types that were exciting is a little harder. So I settled in on printing them off in resin on my 3D printer, uh, gluing them to a base and then painting them a solid color so that they look like an army man paint job. Uh, you know, not not like a role-playing game miniature paint job so that they blend in well with my other plastic skeletons and spiders and whatever else I got going that I'm going to use for the game. So I got those all painted. And, and it, the point was, I was like, you know, working on the project without working on the project, right? Like just kind of doing the stuff around it. And that's can be good to keep you going. can also be bad in that it um, just avoids what, the, you know, the meat of it, right? So, uh, but that, that's worked. I've been so excited about Dungeon 23 lately that it's hard for me to not work on that. I've actually had to just barely keep up with that on the side and, and mostly tell myself, no, not don't get involved in that, uh, anymore. You have to right now, uh, because I've got to get these Gary Khan scenarios done first. And 
Uh, I heard somebody say once, I think it was on Twitter and I think it was a programmer. Can't think of who, who though, but they said the last 10% of any project is 90% of the work. And I, it's absolutely true, right? Creative projects. Uh, you may, you, you get the, there's this kind of, uh, idea phase and there's this kind of this fun wrestling with the media phase, um, where you get all your ideas or most of your ideas are in out in some form. Right. And you get this thing that kind of looks complete. Like, okay, I've, this is the thing that I wanted to make, but it's really rough. Right. Or it's mostly there or whatever. And I think a lot of people go to Kickstarter at that phase, which is a horrible idea because you've got so much work left, so much work left to make it really what you want it. You know, you may have just written down a few phrases here to sketch out a whole idea. And like in your mind, that's as good as written, but it's not written. You've got to do it. (laughs) And so getting these things to the production level uh, is uh, really tough. You got to be hard on yourself. And uh, so I've been uh, pretty hard on myself about getting these scenarios done. I'm I'm deep into it now. And, um, uh, you know, there's always um, the question of whether you wait on inspiration to start working or whether you start working and and, uh, demand that inspiration come on the heels of it. Uh, And sometimes that works, you know, sometimes you have to go that route. And that's what I had to do, which was uh, stop messing around. I thought, you know, I had done all the things I could do to make a cool experience aside from the actual scenario. And then I thought, okay, but the scenario is what we're going to play, right? So I've got to spend my time on that. So I've been fleshing that out. I'm going to play test it once before I go um, with my son and his friends. They've agreed to that on Sunday night, and that'll be fun. That'll allow me to kind of get my uh, uh, chops back up to par on Troika. I haven't run it for a while. And uh, that's been, it's been fun kind of re-engaging with that system. We're going to do it full on. I'm going to use the Troika initiative. I'm going to use every, all the rules pretty much as written. Um, I don't know why I said pretty much uh, the, as written, except uh, what are my exceptions? Um, like I changed the oops table a little bit, uh, some of the results, things like that. But that's not really changing the system. That's just changing some of the flavored outcomes of it. I wrote a few new backgrounds to match some of the miniatures and et cetera. So uh, yeah, I think I'm ready to go. Well, or will be soon, uh, but but I had to I had to shut part of my creativity off, my Dungeon Twenty Three creativity, to get to that. I had to stop painting Blood Bowl teams. I had to um, uh, a friend of mine tried to interest interest me in a project. Did for a short period interest me in a project that I had mentioned to him before, and he's now kind of into. Um, and so we did a little bit of spreadsheet work to kind of lay the groundwork for it. But then I had to shut myself off and say, nope, don't work on that anymore. Like get away from that. You're, you're, you're using that as a tool to, to not do the thing you're supposed to do. Right. <laughs> I'm sure you've all experienced this, but, um, uh, in the end, and then, like I said, some days I, I drive home and I think, um, boy, uh, well, I'll just have these thoughts continuously. Like I wish I hadn't signed up to do sessions at Gary Cog. I should have just gone and played, right? But I know that I will have a good time running the games at Gary Con, and it'll be worth it in the end. It's just a lot of work to get there. And uh, and would I be happier just playing? I don't know. Um, I don't think so. I think in the end, this is part of where my happiness comes from. Even at the same time, it's also part of where my unhappiness comes from, right? Like the, the frustration and the, the creative blocks and the kind of uh, despair over whether you'll ever get it right or whether it'll be any good. All that kind of stuff is unhappiness that you have to suffer through uh, to get to the high of running the game that you want to run and teaching people a new system and, um, you know, getting your crazy ideas into the real life 
uh, space of a shared fiction. That's a strange sentence, but you know what I mean. I hope you know what you know, I mean. So it's that's um, yeah. I, I guess I, I haven't really got any straight up words of wisdom there uh, to tell you what to do because I'm not always good at it, right? Uh, I think it's a messy process, and I think it's one that you can't solve um, entirely, other than maybe solving it for yourself. I I read stories about artists, and sometimes it makes their life seem so clear, like they like you know they're just they're all about the thing that they do and they're dedicated to it. And I thought, and I always think that's probably not right. Right. You know, the truth is probably much messier than that. Um, there was a biography of Picasso that came out in the nineties. I think I never read it. Uh, or did I No, I did read it. I did read it. It wasn't that great if I remember right. But, um, but I loved the title. It was called Picasso creator destroyer. And that's, that's it. Right. I've talked about that before, I think, but that phrase, uh, if you're a creator, you're also a destroyer. Um, you have to, there was phrases like kill your darlings, right? Like some of your idea never makes it in because that part of the idea wasn't worth making it in. Um, you have to kill your ego. You have to stop worrying so much about looking like a fool in front of people. Um, you have to, uh, you have to suffer, you have to sacrifice things. And that's where you get this kind of noble picture of the starving artist, which I don't love, but there is, there is a, a kind of death in a lot of these things uh, that also comes with the life of them. And that's, I guess, where I'm coming from when I talk about happiness and unhappiness. And it's a, uh, it's a process that um, sometimes you, whether it's worth, whether you wonder whether it is worth it or not, but it's like any human relationship that way, you know, uh, to get the good, you got to deal with the bad. Um, and the alternative is to isolate yourself and just kind of kill everything, like numb yourself um, and escape in a way that uh, where you're not connecting with life at all. And I guess I don't want to do that. So <laughs> even as tempting as that is sometimes, right, <laughs> to just uh, sit in your easy chair and, and uh, lose your mind to um, some live sports or, or uh, you know, whatever it is, watch, watch 200 games of baseball and uh, – for not be able to really recall much of any one of them or, uh, um, you know, disappear into an audio book you've read a hundred times or, uh, gosh, I don't know. I'm picking on some things that may make, make people mad, but there are ways to numb yourself, right. Um, and eat yourself into oblivion. I've done all these, right. I've done these. I've, I've sugared myself to death with, uh, donuts or whatever and gone into a food coma and loved it. <laughs> it's that after Thanksgiving dinner glow that you get, you know, um, where there's no thought in your mind other than just lying there with your eyes shut and, uh, taking a little snooze. That's wonderful. But you know, you can't live your whole life like that. Sadly, um, can't stay in that state of bliss your whole life. Uh, you got to come out and wrestle with things. And, uh, that's where I'm at right now, trying to wrestle with my life and, like make it, uh, what I want it to be. Does that make sense? I don't know. I know I'm not going to do it. Um, not going to make it what I want it to be, but I'm going to get some of the way there. I'm going to get some of what I want. I'm going to learn to enjoy the parts that I do get right. And to forget the parts that aren't so fun. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm just rambling now, but it seems very real to me at this moment that, um, that that's that this is life this is the struggle this is the the endless grind 
Um, and you have to find the things that make it worthwhile or recognize, and you have to recognize them, right. When they come along and, uh, be learn to learn what I have to, it's weird as a person who's 55, I have to relearn what happiness is. Right. Um, I said it to a friend the other day. I'm like, you know, I don't, I'm not sure I'm ever happy. Um, and that's part of my depression talking, but it's also true in the sense that you get kind of jaded, right? Um, there's a time in your life when everything you, that excites you is new stuff. And uh, as you get older, it's, it's a temptation to be only excited by old stuff. And I'm certainly that way sometimes, like, um, I'm always looking for the, the, you know, 19, some 1960s paperback, um, of a book, uh, that I've read already. Um, and why am I getting excited about that? I've already read it. Um, it's available. It's on my Kindle or whatever. Uh, I could probably buy a new copy of it anytime I wanted. Uh, so, you know, owning a copy with a cool cover, that's an old paperback. Yeah, that's neat, but it's better when I discover new authors, even if they're old authors, right. Um, to discover new things, that's more of a hit. Uh, it's more of a quality experience than just going after old stuff. And, uh, yeah. All right. So I don't know. I, if I've said anything that struck a chord with you, I'd love to hear about it. You can send me an email at rayotis at gmail.com. Um, you can leave a message through the anchor website, which is kind of problematic. Um, I have a Google voice number. I will try to remember to put that in the show notes. I never do, but, um, I'll try to remember to get that in there. And, uh, I think that's all the ways that you can contact. You know, you can also just uh, record a voice message and send it to me by email or leave it to me on, on Discord if, you, if you're connected with me on Discord. But I would love to hear from you um, where you're at with your creativity, um, what kind of routines that you have developed. I know Judd Carlman had this cool little uh, routine he was doing. I don't know if he still does it, but it was um, he had kind of a tripartite structure that was... Uh, like reading, um, watching and making or writing or something like that. And he would have a, a one element for each of those that he would report on a frequent basis, maybe a weekly basis. And, or, a, and that's one way of like kind of checking in on yourself, right? Like you keep going on a thing. So I'd, I'd love to hear about your structures and your creative coping strategies and, um, your struggles. And, uh, yeah, I hope, I hope this is all podcastable. I'm probably going to listen back and kill the whole thing and, and uh, not publish it, or or maybe I won't listen, and I'll just shove it out there. Uh, but if you've if you've listened this far and you've enjoyed it, thank you, thank you for for being a good ear. Um, hopefully, some of this has uh, inspired you in a way. Until next time, look out for those rest monsters.